Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. I always say that Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast listeners slash fans are the best in the business because they always wait when Matt's late. And I am late again today. We got a lot of stuff going on here. Um, technology issues. My son cut his finger just now. My wife stopped putting the, my daughter to sleep, so I had to get that wrapped. It is a a wild time here on this Tuesday. Very busy Tuesday. Uh, we close things down at One Bills Drive with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. And we are going to dive into everything that they said today. All the big things, all the big takeaways. Uh, give you our thoughts. Uh, and a couple day day removed from the game thoughts uh, on the Bills' season-ending loss to the Chiefs. Uh, Shout is brought to you by Topps Friendly Markets. Uh, it's football play offers in the Topps Red Zone. You could score big on flavor and savings and enhance your playoff weekend by creating recipes inspired by the distinct flavors of the playoff team cities. Uh, Topps' expert butchers have curated their recommended game day recipes over at topsmarkets.com slash foodball. Head over there, get all the details. Ryan, how are you, my friend? Hey, I am doing great. And, you know, you said how hectic, 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 excuse me, it is. There's no off season for uh, being a parent and, Sometimes that happens just right before you're about to hit uh, record on these live streams. Seriously. Um, speaking, uh, let's get some housekeeping in here. I was talking to our good friends over at Wing Nuts uh, over the last two days. Another just unbelievably explosive show the other night. It was so phenomenal. I mean, we can't say enough about the people that have uh, come out to support um these live events, uh, hang out with us, uh, create this environment inside the new wing nuts bar and grill. And we are coming back, get your calendars out. I know it's an off season edition. No, you're probably bummed. Maybe you don't want to talk Buffalo bills football, but come to wing nuts. Uh, we can hang out. It'll be a great time. We are w- looking at the weekend of the second, uh, and third. What are you thinking, Ryan? Uh, we gotta, we gotta come up with a date here. You want to go with the Saturday? Yeah, you know, either one, either one I'm okay with. I mean, I'm excited to get back to Wing Nuts and and talk Bills with the Bills Mafia. 
I, I do feel like Saturdays, it gives fans a little bit more time to make plans and get there, but I'm down for either night. Uh, I was, you know, you guys are working around me. I'm going to Arizona middle of the month for a, a little over a week. So uh, looking forward though, to getting there early on in February. We get uh, late night Talbot back in the, the broom closet. I can't wait. That is uh, that is some great, great A podcast. You know it. You um, know it. So, all right, let's get into the bill. So put the second or the third, probably the third in your, your calendar. We'll, we'll, we'll get that nailed down in the next couple of days. Um, we'll take some insider questions at the end of this episode as well. And if you have any uh, questions on YouTube, which if you're watching on YouTube, YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel as well. You know, let's get into, you know, the big picture stuff from Sean McDermott today. And um, I want to read one quote and I want to get your reaction and kind of dive into it and talk about it a little bit. Um, He said, in reference to his takeaway from losing in the divisional round once again, and he said, listen, this is not a situation where you strip it down to the studs and start all over. Uh, We've done a lot of good things and the players have done a lot of good things. I think you really start with understanding the success that we've had and how we've gotten it. And then you make tweaks along the way to try and get uh, ourselves to become world champions. Um, What do you think? Yeah, you don't tear it down to the nuts and bolts. I agree with him completely there, but there's going to be some, some big changes, whether it's retirements, whether it's players leaving in free agency, uh, what you know, whether it's just releasing some players that uh, help you open up some cap space, because let's face it, there are some moves that need to be made on this roster. It, it's not a tear it down to the nuts and bolts type situation, but it's realizing that yeah, you, you have to replace some of the the warped uh, screws, so to speak, maybe with some fresh ones uh, via the draft class. Bring in some talent on both sides of the ball get them mixed and matched in. And, you know, we were talking about this pre-show. This is a team that's been very hesitant to get rookies out there immediately onto the field. And, you know, to Buffalo's credit, we saw a lot of these players step up in year two where they've had a little bit more time to grow, whether you're talking Khalil Shakir, Terrell Bernard, so on and so forth. But we've also seen the Green Bay Packers model where you go young and you go through your lumps but you're better off for it. We've seen the Chiefs do that a few years ago when they won a Super Bowl and they were very young. Uh, the, the Bills have to embrace that and realize that some of these guys that they draft this year, you can't wait until year two to, to expect them to be contributors. You need them on the field almost every single game as a rookie and, and a for, you know three or four of them starting maybe week one. Yeah, and I think like... I never think that there's not a focus on on adding talent around Josh Allen. Like I think that there's it's been there, you know, whether or not you believe it's always been there for the last 4 years, I guess that's up for debate. But if you look at the last 2 seasons, I think that they've tried to add pieces, specifically last offseason, going out and getting Dalton Kincaid, going out and drafting Osiris Torrance and bringing in Connor McGovern. Um, going out and bringing in two uh, wide receivers in Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy, which, you know, were lessons learned. They, that that wasn't the move. I think the pivot now has to be, okay, and this was one of the bigger Brandon Bean takeaways that I had was, okay, you're going to have to play young players, but you're also going to have to go get some speed at wide receiver. And you're going to have to go into this draft. And with 10 draft picks right now, 
I think you have to focus. We got our G Master G in the YouTube channel uh, saying first round wide receiver selection, first round wide receiver, and I'd come back in the third round and get another wide receiver. This is a deep class. You could throw a lot of darts at the board, and I think you want to try to get as many players as you can, uh, especially if you get to the draft and you don't bring back Gabriel Davis. Um, it's been an interesting couple of days for Gabe Davis. He said, uh, locker clean out that he doesn't, uh, or he loves Buffalo wants to, would, would definitely consider coming back, but it's a situation where he's got to go, you know, test his market, go to free agency, see what's out there. Who knows? Like, can he turn around and, and maybe not get the kind of juice on the open market that he's looking for and maybe come back to the table with the bills? Sure. Will the Bills consider that? Maybe, but I think it would have to be for a lot less than what he probably thinks he's worth. And and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think Gabe Davis has been really good for them, but I think that they have to almost envision a new role, like a new like archetype for a player at that number two wide receiver position. I think Hardy was on the right track. Like I think going out and getting a guy that can get separation, that can give you some run after the catch is great. Like I think like, Two offenses right now, young offenses from playoff teams. I look at the Detroit Lions and I look at the Houston Texans. What's one of the main stay playmakers in their offenses? Tank Dell and Amon St. Brown. Those kinds of players, like guys that can be, um, can go outside, can go inside, have that speed element, but can also potentially be your wide receiver one on the other end of the Stefan Diggs uh, situation, whatever that ends up being, they need to go out and get somebody with speed. And I think the draft is going to provide that. Yeah, it's absolutely got to come via the draft. And, you know, you look at Gabe Davis and I, I appreciated everything he did in his career here in Buffalo uh, was an unbelievable blocking receiver this year. I know his stats were down in terms of the receiving perspective, had a lot of big moments though, as a receiver too. Uh, but, that being said, I, I feel like we know his his ceiling in this offense in terms of the role that they envision for him, and that's not enough for Buffalo. Buffalo needs, like you said, someone that can come in, be wide receiver two as a rookie, uh, and eventually maybe be the heir apparent for Stefan Diggs. Give Buffalo an, an actual threat opposite Stefan Diggs. You give Khalil Shakir a bigger role in, in year three, and then I think you're you're really working with that trio. You still have, I see in the comments here about Justin Shorter. Yep. You don't know what he's going to bring to the table in year two. He was more of a special teams kind of addition to this roster late in, in day three. I know that they like his build, his physicality potentially, uh, but we don't know what he's going to bring to the table necessarily. But th they do have some guys in the mix uh, for other roles, but they don't have that absolute number two wide receiver opposite Stefan Diggs. And, and I think the Bills can get that in round one of this draft because here's the thing. There's going to be three, four, maybe five quarterbacks. I think five would be a little drastic. Definitely three, though, if not four quarterbacks that go in round one of this draft. There's going to be a plethora of offensive tackles that go in the first round of this draft, Matt. Uh, I would probably say offensive tackle is one of the most talented overall group in this draft class. And yet there's wide receivers where that's pretty loaded too. So there's going to be a, a decent wide receiver two or three that do fall into Buffalo's range in this first round. And while they still have other needs at defensive tackle safety elsewhere, you, you need to go after a wide receiver. As long as there's at least one guy on that board 
or within your pick that you think this is the guy that can be that heir apparent for Stefan Diggs? Bills are electric over on YouTube mentions that St. Brown is a fourth round pick. Indeed. Uh, Tank Dell was a third round pick. It doesn't all have to come early in the draft. My point right. being, you need to go out and probably get two and where you get them. You know, I, I think you can go second round and fourth round. You you have to take a wide receiver in the first two two rounds. In my opinion, knowing the way that this game ended, the lack of explosives, not having one play go for more than 20 yards in this game. And, you know, Sean McDermott said, I asked him, like, was this the plan? Was the plan to – because what's the one thing that he's harped on all season long? We can't turn the ball over. They didn't right. turn the ball over. They didn't have any turnovers. They controlled the time of possession. They kept Patrick Mahomes off the field. And it didn't matter because their offense wasn't explosive enough at times. And now you could say there was a couple explosives that just weren't hit, like Trent Sherfield dropped two. You know, maybe you upgrade that position. Fine. Stefan Diggs dropped one. You probably figure in most situations, he doesn't make that mistake. I still am interested to see if there's anything that's been going on with Diggs injury-wise. You know, he popped up with that foot strangely there uh, right before the playoff game. And I think he was on the injury report for something else during the season. I can't remember now. And I, I kind of I, just like scoffed at it because like, he, you know, every once in a while guys will pop up and then they'll, yeah. they, they practice and you're like, it's I feel like maybe oblique oblique okay. sticks out in my mind. It might've so, been, you know, both lower body injuries. And yeah. you wonder how much that, that might've impacted. It's the same thing with Josh Allen. These guys downplay this stuff all season. And then we get to the end of the year and, and he's like, well, you know, there was about six, six to eight weeks where it was hampering him. He wasn't good until the, to the final four weeks where he felt like he can actually throw the ball the right way, uh, which, you know, side note, good news uh, on the injury front for Allen is that he will not need shoulder surgery, which uh, some fans were concerned about as the season was kind of laboring on there at about the six and six point. Um, and Brandon Bean reemphasized that. So I think anyway, long story short, we're going to get into the wide receivers in this draft class. We're going to start studying these these receivers. We'll look at the free agent uh, options as well. I still think that there probably is a, a, a wide receiver free agent or two that you could think about bringing in. You know, maybe Hardy's back. Uh, but wide receiver in the draft, to me, it, it's got to happen. At least two. They got 10 picks right now. They could end up with more. You never know. Yeah, with, with, this, with this many picks, and yeah, the Bills might – Use a few to move up or down the board at time. We'll move up the board and maybe, you know, trade down too, though, to keep those picks in play. There's more than enough chance to add two wide receivers in this draft class if you really want to. Well, where do you want to go next, my friend? If you're watching on YouTube, by the way, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel as well. Why don't we go to Von Miller next? What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, so you know the Vaughn thing is, is strange to me because like I I know that di that Bean and McDermott are going to, you know, put on for their guy a little bit, right? Come out and they say uh, today that they thought that that was his best game of the season against the Chiefs, and you know Bean went into the details a little bit more and clarified that he thought he made some really good plays in in, in the run game, which is fine. Like if that's what you thought. That's fine. I mean, PFF gave Von Miller a 90.5 overall right. grade. I didn't feel that watching the game back. He had he was credited for two pressures. He had two hurries. I remember one in particular. But I guess maybe he played a better game, and I just was so unimpressed with the defensive line effort that I kind of you know fell asleep on his snaps maybe. I have to go back and watch it again. <laughs> but the, the thing for me is they're banking on – him coming back next season and, and, and being a year removed from the injury 
and being closer to the version that we saw last year, Ryan, they might have to depend on that because they're not going to have any free agent money to go after somebody. They're probably going to lose AJ Epinesa and Leonard Floyd unless one of those guys takes less money than you think, or there's not a market for them. And I don't, I can't see why either of those things will be the case. So in a lot of ways, money or not, you're, you're going to kind of need to depend on 36 year old Von Miller next year. Yeah. And, and, you know, of those two names you mentioned, maybe Floyd, because I think he'll look for more money after a very productive season, but the age will be something that lingers for some teams. Uh, 35 year old Von Miller. Sorry. Yeah. And then Epinesa, you know, a young guy, I think he is probably going to find a, a decent contract out there. Unfortunately, the way this contract is structured, they have to depend on it. And, and he's just going to be on this roster one way or another. Uh, and he'll probably see a sizable role again. Is edge rusher a spot where the Bills can draft someone in the first with one of the first four or five picks? Yeah, and, and they would be foolish not to. Greg Rousseau had an outstanding year as a run stopper. He flashed a little bit as a pass rusher. Uh, we, we've been very high on Kingsley Jonathan as part of the rotation potentially. But Von Miller, you don't know what you're getting there. And right now you have him slotted to play a big role for this team. And, you know, I will give him some credit for this game against the Chiefs. There was one play. He blew up a run in the backfield. And, and the only reason it didn't make the stat sheet is there were two penalties on that play by the Chiefs. Uh, and they accepted a holding penalty to back up Kansas City by 10 yards. There's another run play later in the game that he got in there and he made the play. So the instincts, the tackling, it was improving a little bit. We talked about the week against Pittsburgh. Uh, one good pass rush move. Uh, getting close to sacking Mason Rudolph in that one. There's flashes, but flashes will not be enough in 2024. You're locked into that contract. Uh, it, it needs to be something where he is flashing the way he was early on in his tenure pre-injury with the Bills. Yeah, and, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, from a money perspective, you're you're kind of hamstrung with his case, and we can talk a little bit about Stefan Diggs here in a second. That case as well, whether or not you want to move on from him, uh, I always think it's important to be forward thinking and trying to get ahead of like the huge drop off in production. Like the Von thing's different because his his drop off in production is injury related. With Diggs, mm -hmm. it's almost going to be a race against Father Time when he loses you know, the, the parts of his game that make him such a spectacular player. It happens so fast. I mean, you know, Julio Jones went from being this explode. Now, now they're different players. They win different. Um, you know, I think Julio, Julio Jones is a great route runner, but I think Stefan Diggs is like in that elite tier of route running that, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's going to be a lot of nuance to his game still, even after he does get a little bit older, but it's just like, you want to be paying $25 million for that nuance at the stage of his career and the production that you're getting. That's a question that you're going to get with Miller. You, you, you knew you were making, you, you were, you were making your bed and you were going to have to sleep in it when you gave him three guaranteed years on that deal, knowing he was going to be 35 in the third season. And there was a good chance that he could fall off. Now we talked about when they signed him, Bruce Smith was a great example of a guy that played well into his thirties and still found a way to produce. The problem is when you throw an ACL injury into that and just seeing Miller be like, he's such a positive guy all the time. Like he just, he like emits that like for him to duck out on a post game interview after the game, he was one of the first out of the locker room. Uh, he told reporters that he was going to talk to us um, at locker clean out. And then 
we look back in like a minute later and he had grabbed his bag and his coat and he just dipped out and, and, and left. And he's a captain, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I, and who knows like what, what he was avoiding? Like, does he not want to talk more about some of the off the field stuff? Does he not want to talk about the fact that he played 14 games this season and didn't have a single sack? I don't know. He didn't talk. So I can't, I can't say what he was avoiding, but the, it's definitively a, a situation where, He's probably going to be back and you're going to, if you're a Bills fan, probably need to bank on him being some version of the player that he was. Yeah. You said it, the Bills made their bed, giving him this contract. And and right now that, you know, that bed's pretty lumpy. It's not feeling so good, but they've got to get one more year out of it. And when that's said and done, they can trade it in. They can go get a, you know, hopefully something a little bit newer, a little bit nicer, but, you are, you're throwing it all in on Von Miller in this third year, because that's the way this contract is structured. Uh, unless something unforeseen happens this off season where they can avoid some of those guarantees, he's coming back. It, it's part of the reason they're in a situation right now uh, with this cap space or lack thereof. So it, it is what it is. And it's not ideal because like you said, you throw an injury into it. And now, you know, it's not as easy for a guy in his mid-30s to produce at the level of the, the Bruce Smiths of the world that we talked about. Um, but Buffalo has to make it work. They have to find the right mix of guys to rotate in and hope that Miller really does kind of go back to what he was showing early on in his tenure with Buffalo. Uh, comment here, uh, I believe it's from Christine. feel like S- Epinesa got shortchanged with Vaughn's return. Wish he could return to the Bills. I, I just brought him up on Spot Track to see if the market value had been um, put up yet for Epinesa, and it hasn't. So let's play a little game here. What do you think his market value is going to be once uh, that is set over at Spot Track? I'm actually working on um, having Mike Janetti, uh, who runs SpotTrack.com, on the show here at some point, uh, and maybe he can give us a little bit of a preview of that. So, and one, I love his, I love Mike's site. Sometimes though, he's even said that the projections are a little higher based on a formula that he uses. I don't think he'll get 10 million a year, uh, but I could see that being the projection where he gets something closer to seven and a half, eight million uh, per year with, you know, a good amount guaranteed. Say that again. Sorry, you kind of broke up there. What was the number you said? I said like seven and a half to eight million per year, but with a good guarantee. Okay. Seven and a half to eight million a year. Yeah. I think um I'll be interested to see if he gets that. I'm trying to look and see, of course, all the market values that are up on the site right now. So here's a good one. Uh Calevon Chason, uh former first round draft pick. Um, he is 24, uh, three years in the league. Uh, so he is actually, I think he was in the same draft class as Epinesa. Let's put there. Uh, what do you think his um, stats were from this season? I have no idea. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to guess because I don't know. Oh, uh, see, I don't like. I don't like when you don't play the guessing game with me. That's. that's but I didn't. I didn't, haven't followed this guy's career at all. It's so okay. I. He's had. Know. He had two sacks. He's okay. not a starter. He's not an every down player. So he, that's not a good comparison. Um, he had two sacks this season, and over the course of his career, five. Uh, his market value set at five or at three million average annual. So I think that that's probably um, seven and a half, eight million 
is probably closer to what it'll be. Josh Uche, what do you think his is? Hmm. New England Patriots pass rusher. Yeah, I'm more familiar with his game. Uh, Let me give you his stats first before you have to guess. So he had three sacks this season in 15 games, but had 11 and a half sacks in 2022. That was his big season. So a lot of this projection has that season baked in. Right. Nine. 14.5 million AAV. Now, to your point, (laughs) usually a little bloated. Yeah. But still, if he gets over 10, then, I mean, we're going to talk about AJ Epinesa possibly getting um, just under that ballpark. So if he gets like, say he gets 12, I mean, you're probably the cheapest you're getting Epinesa at that point is probably what, 10 million? Yeah, something like that. I had to put a comment up on the screen here, Matt. Yeah, great. Uh, Six and a half. That was very timely from uh, Mrs. Perino. Pretty critical of Ryan for not playing the guessing game, considering you hate playing Jeopardy with me and your nine-year-old. Wow, dude, <laughs> I you had to throw the nine-year-old in there? You couldn't just say it was you? Brutal. Uh, just absolutely brutal. Listen, here's the thing with Jeopardy. One thing that's always annoyed me about Jeopardy with Caitlin is I won't be in the room. Like, nobody will be in the room. And she'll be watching Jeopardy, and she'll be answering the questions out loud. Like, what do you? What do we think about that? Like, like I, I feel like if, if she goes on the real show, like if you're if you're watching like Jeopardy and nobody's in the room, are you like saying the answers out loud? So uh, Jeopardy would probably be a bad example for me, but Wheel of Fortune, I I do yell out the puzzle. I yell it out okay. if I know it. So right, I, I'm right. I'm kind of on Team Caitlin with this one because if I know it before those contestants, I'm very proud of myself. And here's it happens the, more the, than you'd think. Here's the real truth, okay. I stink at Jeopardy. So <laughs> I don't like playing with her because she's a history teacher and brilliant. So like, cool. Like nice. you're going to beat me I every like time. Like that's, that's like when I take Lucas out into the uh, driveway and I put the, the, the hoop down to seven feet and I just yam it on his face. Like, is that, is that good for him? Is that good for anybody? Should we be celebrating that? It's the same concept. Yeah. <laughs> you know, dunking on your kid though. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. That's 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 fair. Um, all right, where do you want to go next? Uh, uh you know, I guess we should probably talk about. Oh, uh, what was the clip that you wanted? Oh, Terrell oh yeah, Bernard. let's get that clip. Yeah, going. let's get that's, that that's going. Good. That's good. I really wanted to cover that. All right, so uh, Brandon Bean was asked about Terrell Bernard. We got a little bit of uh, insight into his week last week, and I think Bills fans uh, will really appreciate this. I want to talk a little bit about it. This kid. You know, he wanted to play. So, like, the doctors told us after the Pittsburgh game, like, you, you can count him out for the Chiefs game. And this kid kept saying, every day, I'm playing, I'm playing. You saw him running in the pools. And we go work him out the day before the game. And he – some of the things looked good. Some of it, he still struggled. And he got done and, and knew he couldn't do it. And just the tear I mean, the tears in his eyes, I, was just, I almost had tears in my eyes. And that's what gets you excited. And you got guys like him on your team, you're going to go a long way. And I had high respect for him, but this is a business, and sometimes guys make business decisions, and you understand and respect it. This guy was going to go out there and play on one leg and one foot if he had to, and, and we had to protect him from himself.
I mean, that's Terrell Bernard. I mean, right. if you want to talk about, and this is why I push back so much when people criticize Bean's draft record, and it hasn't all, all at certain times. I mean, I think there's real credibility to doing that. Like there's, there's been, there was times early in this season, going into this season, where had Terrell Bernard not stepped up in a bit of big way, Christian Benford stepped up in a big way. Um, you know, Osiris Torrance and Dalton Kincaid. I mean, a lot of like fresh faces, like there's a lot to kind of sink your teeth into, but I feel like draft success has to come in waves. Right. And it was interesting hearing Brandon Bean talk today. He knows what's on the line in this draft coming up. I mean, with 10 picks now, we talked about it. Like he's going to have to hit on a lot of those. Once again, Terrell Bernard was an absolute home run an undersized guy at the time. When Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds were entrenched and you were like, wait, what is, what's going on here? Why are they drafting these, this player with these two guys when they have all their needs? Like they wanted a fans, wanted a cornerback at the time. Fans wanted a wide receiver at the time, all these things you get down the road and, and and they did their work on the person and if it's a perfect fit into their room. And I've told stories on the show about seeing this, the, the amount of time he spends studying in the locker room when other guys are, you know, listening to music and, you know, playing cards and doing other stuff. Terrell Bernard is in his book all the time. Like the guy there almost to a point where I think it's unhealthy, right? Like <laughs> you, you, you got to do other things, right. Right? right? But he's just, it's a work ethic. It's a, it's a deal. I, I think they got a real good one in Bernard. Yeah. I remember when they drafted Bernard and you're right. There were people saying you need this position, this position, and they talked about how impressive he was at the whiteboard and the, the bills would, you know, give him something. He'd be able to draw it up. He'd be able to diagnose and explain uh, exactly what everyone's role is supposed to be on, on that given play. And, you know, the rookie year, he, he did go out there at one point. He kind of looked like a deer in headlights. But then this year was just a, a revelation. And you saw exactly what. Brandon Bean and the scouts and the coaches saw in Bernard and you saw him come along and, you know, you mentioned this draft class from 2022, uh, Kyrie, let me it's the book still out on him. We're going to have to wait and see what he becomes, but James Cook, that's a hit finishing in the top four, top five and in, in all, you know, the total purpose yards as a runner receiver, uh, Terrell Bernard, unbelievable year, Khalil Shakir, Matt Ariza, and I know Matt Ariza is not in the league right now, but they needed a punter. He had the biggest leg. It made sense at the time. Christian Benford, an absolute hit in round six. Luke Tenuta no longer with the team. And then Balin Spector, who you look at that linebacker position, Matt, and you have Matt Milano and Terrell Bernard as your top two coming back next season, and that's an elite duo. But then you have a guy like Balin Spector who really did flash when given the opportunity late in this season. You have Dorian Williams entering year two. And, you know, that's a position you feel really strong about right now. But for Bernard itself, you love seeing that he was doing everything in his power to try to get onto the field uh, after suffering a very serious injury where he needed to be carted off. But you also have to appreciate Buffalo's stance and the Bills' stance saying, we can't let you get out there. We have to protect you from yourself. And that's, you know, it's good to do with a young player. I think sometimes veteran players might, um, I don't want to say not listen, but might feel like they can do a little bit more because they've been in the league longer, like a Rasul Douglas, for instance. I don't think he looked right out there against the Chiefs, but he's an older player in terms of the years he's been in this league. He probably thought he could do a little bit more where um, when it came to a young player like Bernard, the Bills kind of stepped in and said, you have a lot of years in front of you. 
we don't want something bad going wrong here. Uh, but you really do appreciate the sentiment and the effort that he really put in this past week. What is up, everybody? This is Matt Prino from Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast, here to talk to you about Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player staff projections and watch the winnings roll in. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Prize Picks with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000 with NBA, NHL, and college basketball entries today on Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use the code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. What do you think, you know, after hearing Sean and Brandon talk a little bit about Micah Hyde today, uh, and we can also get into some of the other injury updates, um, you know, Tredavious White uh, and Matt Milano, when Brandon Bean was asked about those two, he didn't have a definitive timeline, but he thought that Milano was further along than Trey mm -hmm. the last time he got an update. Uh, neither of them would have been ready to come back this season. Uh, so those hoping for Milano to come back for a Super Bowl, potentially that wasn't in the cards. Not to mention, I mean, I think we even saw with Daquan Jones, as good as it was to have him back, and I think he was an upgrade at the percentage that he was at, he wasn't the same guy from the first four weeks. And oh, it's hard no. to be that. And when you're dealing with a peck, I remember talking to John Feliciano about that back in the day. It's a really tough injury to come back from and then play with. Uh, Damian Harris, I know a lot of people asking about him. It was his decision to kind of shut it down for the season with the neck injury. And so uh, he's getting to a spot where he's almost ready to start training again. Uh, being said, he'll be ready, uh, probably ready to play by the start of free agency. So we'll see where he ends up. And then the expectation is Naheem Hines, who had the torn ACL in the jet ski accident in August. He will be back with the bills, uh, yeah. and, uh, being expects his timeline to be ready, uh, about, uh, the start of training camp. It's interesting at the running back position, you know, Damian Harris, first of all, you and I both talked about it, speculated on it. And we said this was a neck injury. This was something that was pretty serious at the time. I know they said after the game, uh, things came back a lot more positive than that they were anticipating. He's also a brand new dad um, at that time. I think a lot goes into that where you say, I just need to shut it down it, mentally, physically. It probably uh, scared him a little bit, and that's okay. And, and, you know, his tenure wasn't what I expected it to be. I remember our bold prediction show. I nailed the Dalton Kincaid prediction, but I missed wildly on Damian Harris. I think I said 10-plus touchdowns for this Bills team, not even close. Uh, Naheem Hines, though, if back with this team, uh, you know, someone in here says he'll have to be a cap casualty. We'll have to look at that and see if maybe there's a, something to be done with this contract. But I'm excited about the potential of Naheem Hines in this offense. Because of what we've seen from Joe Brady in terms of getting the ball to the backs. 
Now, again, we have to wait and see if Joe Brady ends up being the offensive coordinator uh, for the team in 2024, but he certainly has Josh Allen's vote. He seems to have the vote of confidence from a lot of guys in this locker room. I'm all in support of Buffalo doing an extensive search or at least seeing what else is out there. Uh, I've seen some Bills fans talk about like an Eric Bieniemy, uh, guys like that, tr- someone trying to get some explosives, someone trying to get this offense to look a little bit more to or play more to Josh's strong suit. I get that, but this wasn't the Joe Brady offense this year either. This was the Ken Dorsey offense that Brady inherited and had to use. So uh, if he does come back, I would be excited to see what Hines would look like in this offense. I'm still a big fan of Ty Johnson. I think that uh, getting him back on a cheap deal would be nice, but running backs are easy to get in terms of undrafted free agents, late round picks that can contribute with the the cap space with everything else. It, it's going to be a position where the bills probably don't want to invest much money in that spot. The enemy would be the ultimate, like to me, desperation move to finally figure out a way to beat the Chiefs. It's like, yeah. okay, you were with the Chiefs for a decade or whatever it was, uh, a little under a decade. Come over here, give us all the secrets, uh, help bring the success of that offense and, and elements of that offense to what we do. Um, that's interesting. What, who do you think would be some of the candidates? Like you see Cliff Kingsbury interviewing. Yeah, all his name is being around. What would you think about maybe the Bills interviewing him? I know. Um, I'm trying to think. Like um, Shane Waldron, did he just he signed somewhere? I think uh, the former Seattle. Yeah, I believe he did. And then, um, or maybe he interviewed with New Orleans. I'm not sure. And then, um, who else would be a potential like older offensive core? You know who I was wondering? Kellen Moore. Did you see that report that he was? Uh, they denied an interview, even without a head coach. Huh. So maybe they want him in place if Harbaugh agrees to sign. Right. And they're denying the interview for him, which I thought was because if he yeah. he ended up hitting the market, I think Kellen Moore would be an interesting name. Right. You know, and I see here in the chat too, Alex Van Pelt. Yeah, um, I'm out on that. I'm also yeah. out on Frank Reich. Well, yeah, and, and Frank Reich, I get that. I thought that Alex Van Pelt, though, was kind of a, a scapegoat. He doesn't even call the plays in, in Cleveland. Uh, some Browns fans told me it was probably to, to bring in someone that can ho- help Stefanski work around Deshaun Watson's skill set. Um, <laughs> Unbelievable which, that that's yeah, where we're at. With that's story. where it's at. That's where it's at. But, you know, Van Pelt was the actual coach that uh, helped them win a playoff game a few years ago because um, Stefanski had COVID and wasn't allowed to be there. So I- I've seen some talent from Van Pelt over the years in terms of being an OC, but uh, again, I always feel a little iffy about those former Bills players coming back. And, you know, I know he wasn't like an all-time great player or anything like that, but uh, he's another veteran guy because you mentioned that. So th- there are names out there. At least see, you know, see what's out there. But I, I would like to see Joe Brady return. Circling back to Micah Hyde, um, his wife put out a, a, you know, a love letter to Bills Mafia today. I, I highly recommend everybody go read it. It was really Nice. It was a nice letter to Buffalo because, you know, kind of detailed in there, like when they got here from Green Bay, they knew nothing about Buffalo. Um, And as as his wife was probably like, okay, well, we're going to Buffalo. Like, what's this going to be like? And, you know, they fell in love with the city. uh, And he and she said in there that, you know, depending on what happens, like we'll retire from the field, but we'll graduate into 
being a Bills, a member of Bills Mafia as a fan. And um, it was a cool, it was a cool letter. And I think Micah Hyde, to me, he's a Wall of Fame candidate. I don't know if he ever ends up getting getting up there, but what he's meant to this team, um, I don't know. Like, where do you if it ends here? Uh, a, what are your thoughts on if it will end here? I I do think he'll either sign elsewhere or retire. Um, just because of the money, I don't know if the money is going to work, and I don't mm-hmm. think that they even have like three million to spend on right. on that safety position. Because if you heard Brandon Bean say, he said specifically like two and a half million. There was a couple moves. Puna Ford comes to mind. That was the range of his contract. It's like if we give you two and a half million, you better be helping us win. I almost felt like that was kind of a shot at Puna Ford, but um, I thought he I, he had some good um, uh, snaps late late in the season games. But mm-hmm. does does Hyde What's the Hyde situation and where is his place uh, with the rest of the group, like the Lorenzo Alexanders, the Kyle Williams, the um, who was the other one? Jerry Hughes, like that group. Where, where do you put Hyde in the hierarchy of that group? Uh, I put him behind Kyle Williams, but in front of Lorenzo. Oh, wow. OK, I do. I, you know, I know he had some accolades, some Pro Bowls. I can't remember if he wasn't he a second team All Pro one of the years at least. Uh, yes, and was Poyer the the first team All Pro? I can't remember. It was a flip flop, okay. so yeah. one or the other. Um, but he's just meant so much to this defense, so much to this team that that's kind of how I rank it. I it's not just all accolades. I loved what Lorenzo Alexander did for this team, how he came on here the first few seasons. Same with Jerry Hughes and and what he meant. Uh, and, and it all might be a moot point because the Bills haven't really used that uh, wall of fame in some time in terms of bringing players in. And there's some other guys like Eric Molds and some others that aren't even on it right now. Molds so, not being on the wall of fame is egregious. It is. We're, it absolutely what's going is. on here. And, and there's still guys from the Super Bowl era. Um, there's some guys from the AFL era that I thought should be on it. Um, that aren't so I, I get you I think don't want to write 2,000 words on the AFL players that should be on the wall of fame. I think that's your next assignment. listen. Bird, Bird is my number one. He was he leads the team in, in franchise history and in interceptions, and he's not on the wall of fame. Get out of here, get Jarius? out of here. Jarius Bird. No, not Jarius Bird. He wasn't on the AFL teams, <laughs> George Bird. Um, so unbelievable player, and I thought that he deserved it. <laughs> I know how to get you riled up, don't you I? Do. Tell it. You I know how to it? get you going. No. Dude, I'm so disappointed. We had yeah, Butch a Bird. Butch Bird. Thank you. We had a 12 hours of travel time on our docket for this weekend. Had the Bills we did. Won. We were driving to Baltimore. I was going to pick you up in old Salamanca. Not Salamanca. I actually found a, the perfect spot. Joel would have only had to drive you like 15 minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Like, Do you think she can drop you off here? I'm like, yeah, I think she can handle a 14-minute you know, drive. But here's the thing. Are you, were you a little nervous about getting back in the car with me after our last excursion? You know, after almost dying that one point, it wasn't ideal. However, I that's a that's usually at least a once a trip with Joel too. So, um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> fired! I love it. Yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, transition quickly, real quick though, Mike. Yeah, hi, my yeah, go Mike. I, I think he might. I think this is the year he would retire. I think again, it goes back to what I said about Damian Harris neck injuries are nothing to fool around with this is a veteran safety young family been in this league for quite some time uh, I could certainly see him calling it a career after this year um it has been an amazing year 
uh, on the Shout Buffalo Bills Insider Text Line. Um, you guys have been so awesome supporting this new venture of our coverage. Brings us, you know, gets us connected uh, with our fans, and uh, you can become a member right now. And I know you're probably sitting there thinking, oh, "Do I want to sign up for the off season?" You know, this is the best time. I mean, I think this is, you know, when we start throwing around some ideas, we'll be chatting with fans, we'll be doing some. Uh, some private zooms with our with our group as well. Uh, just just talking it out. We're, we're available. You got a draft question. You got a player you want us to look at. Um, do some research on. Do you want to, you know, talk about some free agency, some cap stuff. All that stuff will be available this off season on the on the Shout Buffalo Bills Insider Text Line seven one six five two eight six seven two seven. Send that a text. Uh, sign up from there, and then it's uh, three ninety nine a month after a two week free trial. The Shout Text Line is brought to you by Carrie C. Byer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give him a call, 716-852-1234, or check out litrolaw.com. Um, Mike Kirkland, uh, one of our regulars, said, you guys made the season a lot more enjoy- enjoyable. Thanks for all your commentary on the text line. Um, having to listen to all the postseason window closing stuff will be painful, especially with no pr- proof to the contrary. There's been a lot of talk about Brady being over-reliant on the run, not trying to be more explosive to make up for the Mahomes factor, uh, in the game the other day. If our defense made more stops, I couldn't really fault it. What say you or any last thoughts? See you next year. If you see Josh, give him a hug from all of us. He's our hero. I didn't see Joe. Well, I saw him on Monday, but I did not give him a hug. Yeah, and it probably not a good idea to approach the players and give hugs. Uh, I had like the world's longest train just go through there. And as much as I'm sure you missed the train whistle, that guy was obnoxious with it. So uh, I was sitting here stewing, waiting for that to end. But real quick, the, the text line, I wanted to touch upon that when you were talking. Bill's Mafia. Top 30 visits, virtual interviews. Uh, when we have that information, we give it to the insiders first. Interest in players. You know, we didn't have this text line uh, early enough to do it this this past year. But when I had the Puna Ford interest and and some of these other players, that's going to go to the text line first. So the there is no offseason in the NFL. Uh, join this text line. We will make it worth your while. For sure. Uh, so Mike's question is, um, Having to listen to the postseason window closing stuff will be painful, especially with no proof to the contrary. There's been a lot of talk about Brady being over-reliant on the run against the Chief, Chiefs and not trying to be more explosive to make up for uh, the Mahomes factor. Uh, if our if our defense made more stops, I couldn't really fault it. Uh, what say you? So just in t- terms of the general approach, and I thought um, Ryan or um, Sh- Sean McDermott said today that it wasn't the plan to go in and drain the clock and, 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 and worried about getting the defense off the field or anything like that. It was, it was just more about like having a balanced attack, trying to uh, be multiple and they did take their shots. They just didn't hit their shots. I feel like, you know, if we, if they hit two of those explosive throws, those 20 plus yard throws, we were probably talking about this in a, in a different way. I didn't have a massive problem with the game plan or even the way that Joe Brady executed it. I mean, if they score that touchdown, that's 31 points. 
yeah. in the game if they finish that last drive. And I'm fine with that offensive performance, especially in a game where the defense only had the one turnover, which was more of a touchdown saving play than it was, you know, a, a field flipping play. You can go back and you rewatch these games and you say, gosh, if Tyrell Dodson was able to corral that fumble early in the game, uh, deep in Bill's territory, you have the Jordan Poyer turnover. The game plan that the Bills had would have been absolutely perfect because it would have taken, you know, at least one, both of those would have taken points off the board. Obviously, the, the Poyer one did for the Bills, and uh, the, the Dodson one would have taken points off too. I like Buffalo's game plan in this matchup, whether they planned it that way or not. The Bills were in position to take the lead with under two minutes to go. Josh Allen saw and read the, the Shakir play correctly. He just got contacted when he was releasing the ball and it threw it off a little bit. I know that you wouldn't want that defense necessarily out there with less than two minutes to go against Patrick Mahomes, but I'd rather take a lead in that situation late in the game than trying to draw the clock all the way down to zero and, and win it uh, on a final play. Um, the defense was kind of coming into its own and the game plan itself also worked for me from the perspective that Buffalo was playing with four linebackers in this game and they were banged up in game at that position. They were playing with a lot of backups on the back end. This was, you know, these were guys that were getting their most playing time since the preseason, uh, for the bills, for some of them. So the game plan was, was smart limiting Mahomes' series we saw Mahomes, shred that defense quite a few times. Uh, I, I like the way that the Bills kind of ran things. I, I like the way everything worked out. I know at the end of the day, the Bills didn't win this game, but they were in, put in a position to, to get it done. And oh, by the way, if Stefan Diggs and Trent Sherfield make those catches, you have what, another like 150, 160 yards uh, passing for Josh Allen as well. I mean, the opportunities were there to make big plays to get those explosives. It just didn't work out in that given Sunday. Uh, let's throw a bone to our YouTube uh, subscribe uh, viewers, if you will. Man o War, one of our regulars. Uh, we've had our conversations over the years. Hi, who, in your opinion, are the players which are must be retained? So I'm bringing up. Let's take that first look real quick, Ryan. Mm -hmm. And we're obviously going to spend so much time diving into this over the next couple of weeks and months but um 20 unrestricted free agents the bills have uh heading into the offseason micah hyde daquan jones leonard floyd tim settle jordan phillips tyler medikevich puna ford dane jackson tyrell dotson david edwards trent sherfield damian harris taylor rap linval joseph aj Evanessa, shaq lawson latavius murray kyle allen cam lewis and gabe davis quentin morris is a uh erfa uh, so we'll see. I, I would imagine he ends up being back of the 20 names. I just read. There's only three of them that are, I consider gotta have them back. Um, Daquan Jones. Mm -hmm. And the next two might surprise you. Dave, um, David Edwards. Okay. And Taylor Rapp. Those are my three. Gotta have them back. Edwards would actually maybe be at the top of mine. Just because I'm also thinking salary cap and do the bills hey, even have the money for Daquan Jones, right? Uh, he, he would be in my, he would be number one for me. If I knew the bills had the money to bring him back, to get him back on this team. That's the only thing is I just know that uh, this roster, it's going to be tough to keep you those really good players. He did really enjoy his time in Buffalo. 
maybe it does work out that way. But Edwards w- was great for Buffalo in terms of the run game, the extra lineman. Uh, you saw Aaron Cromer's unit take a big step in year two. And I would like to think that Edwards and his uh, experience playing with Cromer even factored into that, helping those guys out. And I would love to have him here in, in for another year to, to help Osiris Torrance in year two, to help some young guys like Ryan Vandemark and uh, Alec Anderson and, and these up-and-coming guys that I'm sure are eventually going to turn into key reserve players on this team. So he would be very high on my list. Taylor Rat makes a lot of sense too because of how well he played down the stretch for this team. Uh, they did, you know, he started out a little bit rough, but then you got mm-hmm. to see him how he fit into the scheme, his instincts, the Bills possibly being very shorthanded at safety too needs to be considered. So I actually really like that list, Matt. Cool. Um, let's go to the next one here. Get to another couple more insider text. Donna. Fazio says, hi there. I have a question from listening to the pressers. It seems like the team is aware they need to add something to help increase explosive plays for the offense, but with cap restrictions and as being clearly stated, no splash moves are in the budget. Do you think that indicates that the team plans to solve their explosive play problem exclusively, exclusively through the draft wide receiver first round to me, Ryan, not only like we mentioned early in the show is like that, the, the main vehicle to that, um, production or, or that, that skill set. I, I don't think they're going to be able to, to shop in the deep end of the pool right. uh, of playmakers and free agency. I just don't think that's going to be an option. So you're looking at another Deontay Hardy there. I think you got to really make your, your meat, if you will, um, with the, the draft. Yeah, it's gotta be the draft. And, and this is a deeper class of wide receiver. You could I get me maybe... make your hay, by the way, make your, make your hay. Not you make your could <laughs> All these top reads, Ryan, got me They're in a real weird you. place. They're getting to you. Um, no, I mean, you could get the best all-around wide receiver with your first pick in round one because there's going to be some really good receivers at the end of round one that maybe don't have that blazing speed. But the, the round three, round four area, that's when you can try to get those burners. Um, we, we've seen the Bills even you know, now in these future contracts who they've brought in here. Uh, some of the guys that they've signed to the reserve deals. One that comes to mind is a KJ Hamler. And listen, mm. KJ Hamler has not had any NFL career worth writing about right now, but he's a former second round pick. I saw a lot of his games in college. My dad's a big Penn State fan. Uh, he has explosive speed leading up to that draft. He ran a 427. Uh, he has the speed. He's had a terrible luck with injuries. But those are the guys that, like you said, you take flyers on. You say, if we can get this guy healthy, he could be that speed to give us that that explosive option. So that's someone to keep in mind. But definitely the draft is their number one priority because, one, those contracts are cost-controlled. And with the way the Bills' salary cap is right now, especially with some of these bloated contracts that they can't get out of next year, uh, you need to keep that in mind and try to get the best possible players in a lot of the time that'll be through the, through the draft. Because like you said, you're not getting these big name wide receivers and free agency to come in on a uh, low end deal. Um, you're right. I'm just looking up his, his numbers here really quick. Uh, his long last season was a 55 yard touchdown and mm-hmm. his long 
his rookie season was a 49-yard touchdown. So shows off some of that long speed. He had 30 catches for 381 yards and three touchdowns in his rookie year. Uh, that's when he played 13 games, and it's just been injuries after that. And to me, this reminds me, Hamler, of like an Isaiah McKenzie type signing, a guy that you just take off of a practice squad when nobody's thinking about him, right? Like struggling with fumbles there in Denver and he comes in and he plays a really important role for them for a couple of years. You're getting a KJ Hamler who at 24 years old, it, you know, still has some potential. This is a former second round pick yeah. um, that I think I, I like the move. It's, it's one that these are the kinds of things that you just stash and figure it out in, in the spring and uh, hope that he can, you know, make some, make a move and um, shout out to Ronnie Eastman on our chat line. Cause he asked this question. I'm curious what role they potentially see for KJ Hamler. I think he's going to fit right into that. Like Isaiah McKenzie uh, role. And maybe they move on from like a Hardy who's going to be more expensive and they can save some money. Yeah. And you know, that's the beauty of these reserve contracts and deals and uh, Ham Hamler's one guy that I think could help them move on from some deals uh, Richard Garage, you know, lineman that the Bills signed as an UDFA. We were very impressed with him this summer. What does he look like in year two? Jamarcus Ingram, we've talked about him at cornerback. He might be able to claim one of those last cornerback spots next year. I was big on Tyrell Shavers as a UDFA, wide receiver position there. So they have guys that are going to be in the mix here uh, for a roster spot. Now, mind you, not starting roles. Uh, Cameron Klein, too, who, by the way, you know, last roster projections, you and I, we spent some time on Shout talking about does he make the final roster. So he's a reserve guy. So there's there might be three or four guys on these reserve contracts that come in and claim a roster spot next year uh, at low, you know, low contracts. And that's big for this team, knowing that a lot of these players were on the practice squad for the majority of the year. Hamler has that speed that they're looking for. Obviously, a newer addition, not on the practice squad like some of these other guys. Um, but I think that you're going to have some guys step up here, man. Before we get to the next maybe insider question, a great question here in the chat from Nathan. How do you join the text line, Matt? All you got to do is text 716-528-6727. When you send that text, you'll get one back with a link. Follow that link. Put in some information. Sign up. You get a two-week free trial just to check it out. Then after that, it's $3.99 a month. Now, I will say this. Um, give us a little leeway here over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to take some days off, most likely. So there might be some, you know, hot and cold, hot and cold. When I'm off, Ryan tends to pick it up a notch. When he's off, I tend to pick it up a notch. So you're not going to go without, uh, you know, being able to reach us. But in this next two-week window till after the Super Bowl, it might be a little bit quieter. Uh, so maybe you want to wait until, what is it? early February, but we'll be, we'll be continuing to, to push it. And we're, we're there. We're going to do a zoom session, probably one of these uh, playoff weekends on a Sunday when everybody's watching the games and just hang out together, talk some, talk some football. Um, I think that'll do it for this episode. We're at almost an hour. I can't believe how long, uh, how long we went here, but um, we will be back later this week with one more episode this week. I got a cool one. Um, a fellow Bills podcast um, is, you know, somebody that we met at Turning Stone. Uh, he he works there and and is a host of a of a Bills podcast with another gentleman that I actually worked with at Blockbuster 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to reconnect. It was it was so fun, like such a small Buffalo story. Uh, so they're going to come on. We're going to talk some Bills topics. 
Uh, it'll be super fun. I'll give you some inf information about their podcast where you can find it. Uh, it'll be fun. I, I, I like hanging out with my friends and I haven't seen him in a long time. JJ Bryce. So we'll bring him on. It'll be fun. Um, head over to topsmarkets.com right now and go get yourself a wonderful cut uh, of meat uh, at any location. Real meat, real butchers. While the other stores have their meat packed in central processing facilities, Tops has real butchers you can trust to serve the very best to your family. Expert butchers hand cut fresh, high quality USDA choice beef and premium pork in store daily. Visit topsmarkets.com slash real butchers for more information and tips from your trusted Tops butchers. All right, he's Ryan Talbot. Give us the final word. Yeah, final word here in one, Matt. Uh -oh. Better wear that. Better wear uh -oh. that blockbuster shirt. I know. Super chat. You gotta get that super chat. Bernardo. Man of War says, What is Blockbuster? Get out. Uh, get out, Man of War. Are you young? Are you a youngster? Were you not here for Blockbuster 15 years ago when it went out of business? It was where people used to get movies. You didn't have to just bring up an app on your TV. You had to go to an establishment. You had to walk the aisles. You had to go to the classics and decide: do I want a new release? Or do I want to go old school? Go back to the class. Go back to the play the hits, if you will. Oh, I miss it. It's great days. Yeah. So, so rock that blockbuster shirt for that podcast. Bernardo Dice. McDermott can't stop a turtle running against him in big days, in big games. Not a fan of uh, Bernardo. He's not a fan of Sean McDermott. It <laughs> he just, is not. He it is goes not back a long way. Feeling. He can stay on the train. Uh, wants him gone. Uh, so, oh, and we also have another super chat that I missed from earlier in the show. What is going on? The way Bernard studied on and off the field gives me hope for Elam. Mark my words. If Elam is given his chance this year, he'll be at least CB2. I agree. I think um, Elam deserves more of a chance. And maybe we could talk a little bit about Elam. I sent on a, a text about my conversation with Elam. Maybe we can Spicy. hit that real quick before we get out of here. Do it. Yep. We got to do, do it. I, or do I give you a cliffhanger, Zach of all trades? Zach of all trades, send me a DM on Twitter if you're not an insider, since you just gave us a super chat, which is $5, which is more than one month of being an insider. And I will send you the text that I sent on Elam, and we will talk about it on a future episode of Shop because we got to get out of here. It is juicy. It's juicy, Bill's Mafia. Cool. Join the join Shout, and Matt will send it to you. Insider join text. Shout Insider text line. Send me a text. I'll send it to you. All right. We got to get out of here, dude. It's almost an hour. I'm exhausted. It's been a long week. It's been an amazing season. Um, year six on the beat for me. What is this year? What for you? At, at, I, I've at been here since time. 2016. And I, so and, uh, this is year eight for you. Yeah. Year eight. And then throw in scout and I'm a little over a decade. Yeah. You're, you're older than I'm me. old in Bill's time In Bill's <laughs> time. You're older than me. Not in real time. In real time. I'm 41. You're 39. That's right. You got to get out of here. That hurts my heart. All right, I'll do it. Everybody's like, dude, end the stream right yeah, now. Yeah, Ryan Talbot, Matt Perino. We will see you on Friday. Take care, everybody.